0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The
1: first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch! Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2 to
0: 1. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well on the earth's right, Mookie Betts going back to the wall, gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our final regular season show as we look back on the best regular season in franchise history and look forward to the playoffs. We will chat with Wander Franco about his special rookie year. Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun joins us to review the week gone by and look ahead to the playoffs. We'll review an amazing year in the minor league system with Jeff McLaren. Eric Neander joins us to review some of the top postseason roster decisions. Plus, Mark Feinzand of MLB.com joins us to discuss the wild card picture. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solans. Our featured guest is Wander Franco, along with translator Manny Navarro. Wander, thanks for joining us. Gracias por el tiempo. De nada,
3: de nada. Gracias por la oportunidad.
4: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.
2: Wonder how special has this season been? ¿Qué tan especial ha sido esta temporada?
3: Ha uh, sido una temporada muy especial, gracias a Dios. Muy contento, en verdad, por el trabajo que estamos haciendo.
4: Ha sido un año muy exitoso. Thank God it's been a very special year. You know, the, the work that this team has been putting in, putting in uh, it's been a special
2: year. When you dreamed about this, what has been different? Cuando sonaste de las grandes ligas, ha sido diferente. Uh,
3: a lot
4: of things have been are different, you know, the way the game is played, the communication within the team and everyone around you, it's there's a lot of different changes in the game.
2: What is the
3: best moment
2: and why? ¿Cuál es el mejor momento y por qué? En mi debut, porque <laughs> eso
3: es el sueño que todos los peloteros desean y, y, más, y más el trabajo que yo hice en ese, en ese debut, me entiendes, que conecté a Jarrón de una vez, y eso fue algo
4: una experiencia muy bonita. Uh, my debut, uh, definitely a special <laughs> moment. You know, that's what every ball player dreams of—is making it to the big leagues. And then the the game that I had definitely made it more special.
2: How about your dad's reaction to your first home run? ¿Qué hay con la reacción de tu padre a tu a primer home run?
4: <laughs> Uf, eso
3: es eso es algo que uno uno se llena de orgullo, ¿me entiendes? Porque así es que uno quiere
4: ver a nuestro padre ver nuestro triunfo para que yo vea que para que ellos se sientan orgullos. Now you feel very proud. You know as as a son you want to see your parents, you know, know that you're having success. So it was very proud to see him that he was very proud.
2: Has anything surprised you? Algo que te haya sorprendido en las grandes ligas?
3: Uh no, no porque sabe, solamente se juegan como, como, como uno sabe jugar, uno sabe jugar duro. Hay hay, hay mucha inteligencia, mucho veterano. Y no, no, en verdad no me sorprende, sino que si pues sí, hay que jugar con muchos veteranos, eso sí, eso,
4: eso se hace como llenarse de orgullo. No, no not much really surprised me, you know, uh, being around the, the veteran players and, and the, the intelligence and the knowledge that everyone has, um, it's very helpful. But, you know, as long as you know how to play baseball, and I think that isn't much of a surprise once you get into this level.
2: You're playing very well. When did you feel comfortable here? Uh, it
3: was
4: probably about two weeks after my debut. I was starting to feel a lot more comfortable. I was starting to see the the ball better. Um, and I was starting to get a lot more comfortable on the field.
2: How did last year's experience at the playoffs help you this year? ¿Cómo te ayuda la experiencia del año pasado para los playoffs este año?
3: ¿Cómo es Chile?
2: No, no, no
3: fue que no tomé mucha experiencia porque no estuve jugando, solamente estuve viendo y apoyando a, a mi equipo. Pero este año he tenido más experiencia como... Como siempre seguí con la cabeza con la cabeza en alto, jugar siempre duro y siempre apoyar al equipo, ¿me entiendes? Y siempre
4: respetar a los compañeros de equipo y eso. Yeah, although last year I didn't I didn't play, obviously uh, I was able to, to observe a lot more. You know, Uh this year since I have been playing, you know, you learn to just be able to keep your head up, uh, be a good teammate and just respect the game.
2: How has Nelson Cruz helped you? ¿Cómo te ha ayudado Nelson Cruz? Mucho, mucho. Ese
3: hombre me ha ayudado en todo. Mucho, mucho. En la disciplina, la disciplina en el home, en el cage, consejos, todo, todo me ha ayudado ese hombre. Ese hombre es una gran persona
4: que en, en cualquier momento te puede ayudar sentirte cuidarte. A lot, a lot. Nelson's helped me out a lot. He's helped me a lot with the d- discipline in this game, discipline at the plate, uh, anywhere you're at, in the cage. You know, he's willing to give you advice. You know, at any given moment, he's there to help you.
2: More on the field or more off the field or on? Más ¿Fuera del campo o adentro? Adentro del campo, porque uno
3: después del juego, uno lo que se va a dormir al hotel y casi no tiene
4: esa comunicación así fuera del field, pero en el play, sí. Definitely on the field a lot more. Please help me. Um, you know, once a ball game's over, you know, you go back to your hotel room, you know, you may go to sleep, you know, you may not communicate with your teammates as much. Uh, but definitely on the field, he's there to help block.
2: I know your family is important. Will your family be here for the playoffs? Tu familia estará aquí para los playoffs?
3: No, 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 no está aquí, no. No, they won't be there.
2: Is is difícil? Or uh, uh, how how do you talk to them? Como como uh, uh, communicate with them
4: during the season? Como como comunicas con tu familia durante la temporada?
3: Oh, por llamada, por llamada. Mi mi papá a veces se... Mi papá a veces viene, pero como la resto de mi familia no puede venir, bueno, solamente veo a mi papá y a la resto de mi familia lo veo por, por el
4: celular, ¿entendes? No, we do. We see each other over the phone, over phone calls, and uh, you know, with the cell phones and stuff. But uh, my dad will show up every once in a while, but it's tough for most of my other family to show up. So, therefore, sometimes just my dad shows up.
2: How, how is your son doing? ¿Qué? Uh, ¿Y how important is your family? ¿Qué tan importante tu familia y cómo está tu hijo?
3: Oh, my family, is, my family is
2: everything para me. My family, you
3: know, my family, without them, nothing. If, if I, if I'm nothing. Si 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 yo yo estoy aquí jugando con fuerza por ellos, ¿sabe? Y el niño mío va creciendo, creciendo y está usando las dos manos, creo que va a ser abierto porque yo.
4: My family does everything for me. You know, they're the reason why I work so hard. You know, they're they're there to support me at all times. Uh they're great. They're the reason why I'm here. Uh, and my son he's doing really well and he's starting to throw with both hands, so I think oh. he might be able to throw with both sides. <laughs> <laughs> how how is he like you? ¿Cómo es tu hijo como tú? Oh, así
3: fuerte, fuerte así, que corre mucho. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no,
4: yo. you know, he's strong. He's he's strong just like me. He runs around, he's fast, and like I said, I think he's gonna bat for both sides like me as well. And you want him to play baseball?
2: Uh, quieres que el juegue baseball?
4: Claro, claro. Quiero que él siga mi espacio así. Of course, I want him to follow up my steps like that.
2: Well done. How excited are you for the playoffs? ¿Qué tan emocionado estás para los playoffs?
3: Uf, está emocionado que... hoy oh, Muy muy emocionado, muy emocionado, porque quiero experimentar esa experiencia porque nunca he jugado en un playoff así en grandes ligas. Ligas menores sí, pero sabes que en grandes ligas.
4: Y eso, a ver que, que, que se no, I'm very excited, very excited. I'm there to to experiment and to experience that uh, the the playoffs in the in the big leagues. Obviously, I've never been in the playoffs in the big leagues, so I'm very excited to be able to to uh, experience it.
2: Wander, and we're chatting with Wander Franco. You wear number five because of Albert Pujols, ¿yes? cinco porque Albert Pujols es tu jugador favorito, ¿si? ¿sí?
4: Sí, sí, Yeah, one of them, of course.
2: What would it mean to face the Dodgers and Albert Pujols in the World Series? Que significaría enfrentar a Albert Pujols en la Serie Mundial? Uf, <laughs> eso significará
3: como un, cómo le digo, como un, una, una, una. Yo no me lo ni me lo voy a creer porque una Serie Mundial con uno de mis jugadores favoritos, lo que lo que me va a dar ganas de de de. de De, de 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 demostrar que 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 yo sí tengo un, un talento un talento maravilloso y que
4: That'll be quite the experience. I never thought about it, you know, you never think about something like that, you know, facing your favorite player in the World Series. Uh, and I know with the the talent that I have to get me to where I am as quick as I can. You know, you you never really expect anything like that before. That would be awesome.
2: Have you ever met him? Alguna vez lo has conocido?
4: Si, si.
2: And if, what do you remember? ¿Qué te recuerdas?
3: No, no, fue en un mal momento que lo conocí porque como él y mi tío, Ería Ibar, se llevan muy bien. Cuando mi abuela falleció, él fue para
4: el entierro de mi abuela y en verdad fue que lo pude conocer. It was actually an unfortunate time when I met him. It was, uh, you know, he knew, you know, one of my uncles, obviously from playing and. Uh, my grandma had passed away, so he showed up for for the funeral. So that's that's when I saw him.
2: ¿Cuántos años tenías uh, cuando es, es, es pasado?
4: No Eso pasó. ¿Como 15, 14? About 14, 15 years old.
2: <laughs> mm. Well, I hope you have a lot of special moments like Albert Pujols in, in the playoffs. And thanks very much for the time. Espero que tengas momentos especiales como Albert in, in los playoffs. And gracias por el tiempo.
3: Gracias, gracias. Claro, claro. Vamos a meter
2: mano y gracias por todo. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. That is Wonder Franco with Manny Navarro, and we'll continue with This Week in Rays Baseball right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Oh, We continue on This Week in Race Baseball and joining us right now from Valley Sports Sun is Doug Wector. And Doug, obviously this has been a remarkable year. uh, Record-wise, the best the franchise has ever had in the regular season. What has made it as successful as it's been to you?
6: Oh, well, it's got to be the depth and versatility of the team. I mean, we've seen how many injuries that they've had to sustain, how many guys they've had to move up and down from the AAA roster, the the amount of injuries that they've gone through in the bullpen. It just speaks to the depth of this organization and not just the team at the major league level, but, you know, going down to AAA and how much talent they had and they knew that they were going to get into at some point this year. It has come to really help out the Rays and, You know, it's not showing well just for 2021. It's also showing that this team is built to win for a long time. And, you know, it is the best team I've seen the Tampa Bay Rays put on a baseball field uh, full time. I mean, it shows with the record that they have this year. But uh, my goodness, the young talent they have coming up and how ready they are and available they are already. Is uh, a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch for the years to come.
2: The streak finally ended for Wander Franco this week, but what he has accomplished in his rookie year is absolutely amazing. If you were a pitcher, how would you try and get him out?
6: <laughs> That's a great question, Neil. I never said I would intentionally walk a 20 year old, but he is one of those guys who would actually make me think about it. Uh, he is a matchup nightmare. You know, from the left side, if I had to go up against him, he can get to the inside corner pitch because he has such quick hands. Uh, He has a high contact rate. He can make contact with that outside corner pitch, even if you set him up correctly. So he puts the ball in play no matter what. He has the speed to beat out a lot of infield hits. He can drive the ball in the gaps. Doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, He's just a nightmare to face. And I'll tell you, it's not a lot of times that you have a guy go out there and actually plays up to his potential. We heard so much about his potential coming up through the minor leagues, and now we're starting to see it, and boy, he is a special talent.
2: Well, you touch on young talent that this group has, and I think the core four now in the rotation for the future could be McClanahan, Boz, Patino, and Rasmussen. How impressive have they been, especially in light of the schedule that this team has faced, this week and in, in, in the month of September?
6: Oh boy, it, it's one of the most impressive rotations I've seen for guys that you really haven't heard much about. You know, Shane McClanahan goes in there with just postseason experience last year, comes in this year, and we've already seen him mature and adapt, right? he He's changed the way he's pitched over the course of one season, and that's huge because now you're starting to see a maturity level in him where he goes out early in the game he realizes he doesn't have to go throw max effort to get out a major league hitter he's starting to pitch contact and that's something that typically doesn't come in the maturing process till year two or three so he's ahead of the game right there and he's you know he is definitely the front runner as the ace of the staff right now and he's pitched his way up there uh rasmussen is another guy that really came out of nowhere i mean after the trade you see him come and and throw in the bullpen You see he's got a really good arm, but I mean, there's no way of predicting his success on the mound and specifically as a starter. And I'll tell you, man, I love it when this guy goes out there and throws. He just pitches to contact 98, 99 miles an hour from the right side. Very efficient with his pitches. Doesn't mess around. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch, but Tino flashes brilliance on the mound at times, you know, his sliders unhittable unhittable at times, uh, he's going to be great in whatever role they use him in moving forward this year, and obviously as a potential, you know, top of the rotation starter uh, moving forward, and uh, really, Shane Boz, there's not, he's one of my favorite kids to watch already, I've seen him in two starts, and there's so much potential in what he has, and it's not just the stuff. It's the mechanics are so clean, power that he has, the mentality that he has. If you think about it, Neil, and you know how tough this is, this kid's gone through three levels this year and pitched for an Olympic team. Every single mound that he's taken, he's had no problem fitting right in, doing his job, and dominating, and that just shows you how strongly he is mentally to be able to handle his circumstances around him. So it, it's a very bright future for the staff for the Tampa Bay Rays.
2: Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun joining us here on this weekend Rays baseball. And Doug, they got to face Houston and New York this week, playing in front of larger crowds. Does it help them? Do you think for the postseason? Are you all concerned about? how they may respond in a very different situation this coming week.
6: I'm not concerned about it. I think it does help a little bit just to reacquaint you to what the surroundings are going to be like, what the sounds and the feel is going to be like somewhat going in the postseason. I'm not concerned of any kind of intimidation factor. I think these guys are so confident going into these games that they're going to be able to block out you know, everything outside the line. Uh, the one thing is you wonder a little bit about the, the young guys who have never been through it. And that's why the experience last year for Shane McClanahan was so big. Uh, you know, getting to go out there and experience the postseason, you know, even though there weren't fans until the World Series, he, he was around that. He understands the environment. He understands how every pitch is meaningful. And so uh, that experience is going to be huge. But for the guys who haven't been through it, I don't think that there's an issue there. I really think the excitement of the game, but the confidence factor of the team in general and just their mentality and demeanor of being able to go out there, not having one guy that they rely on, but knowing that it's going to be a total team effort to win. I don't think anybody's going to put too much pressure on themselves to have to carry the load. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, in general, the entire Tampa Bay Rays team going out there and winning ball games and getting things done.
2: Who's the best matchup for the Rays in round one? Not that the Rays have any control over it whatsoever.
6: Oh boy, you know, you hate to guess and, and ask for a team to play in the playoffs because because you know, any team can be dangerous in a five-game scenario. and you know, Me and you have spoken about this in the past. In five games, uh, you know certain things can happen. You, know, you win a couple games here and there, and then all of a sudden you have a chance to, to actually take the series. So a uh, five-game series worries me a little bit more than a seven-game because I think the Rays match up against anyone in a seven-game and, and can take it. I, I still think they match up well against anybody in a five-game, but if I had to pick someone to play – that I would like to see, uh, it'd probably be Boston. They just seem to be scuffling here lately. It seems like their starters are running out of gas. You know, the the defense is uh, falling short behind them a few times here. And I, I just feel like we match up extremely well against Boston, and if we see them in the postseason, I think we would have a chance to sweep. You say that though, and and really, again, every team is uh, poses a threat. So it'll be great to watch, and I, I just can't wait. I love this time of year, and it's going to be really exciting.
2: Certainly, a big question I think for the race is health. How tough are the roster decisions coming down the wire here?
6: Oh my goodness! I mean, I, I, this is why they uh, they are the best at the decisions they make. They know that they're going to be going off of matchups. And they're going to be diving deep into these stats and analytics to see who they're going to need specifically, in my mind, in the bullpen, right? You're really going to figure out the arms that you're going to want to utilize because, as we've talked about how good the staff is, they are very young. And we know Kevin Cash likes to manage, the, you know, with the bullpen, bring the bullpen in for matchups as quickly as they need to. And they're not going to be afraid to do that, with it, whether it's the fourth inning, fifth inning, sixth inning, whenever. So I think that bullpen will be very interesting to see who they take on this postseason roster. But I agree with you, Neil. I mean, look – uh, being healthy is the number one concern going into the playoffs right now. And if you have a healthy roster, you are in the driver's seat because the Rays, again, have so much depth and so much talent, but they want their front line guys out there. And, and if they're healthy, then I'll put the Rays up against anyone.
2: And you touched on the bullpen. Michael Walker, Luis Patino could work out of the bullpen. How much have they helped themselves this week?
6: Oh, boy. I, you know, well, with waka you know, he's thrown the ball well four out of the last five times. The changeup seems to be really getting that Depth to it that we used to see with St. Louis, uh, the velocity on the fastballs back up to 97, you know, he just looks stronger out of the bullpen and I think it's a good fit for him with this team and what they need from him in October. And then Patino, I think he could be a serious weapon coming out of that bullpen. He looked fantastic so far and, you know, in relief. And I think his fastball slider plays very well. You don't need a third pitch technically in the bullpen and you can go out there and, and just let it eat when you're coming out of those bullpen gates. And so I, I see that mentality and, and the stuff from Patino. And I think that in October, he could actually be a game changer with the way that they're gonna utilize him in relief.
2: Doug, great stuff. We appreciate some time. and. Here's to a great postseason. Okay, Neil.
6: I'll see you soon, buddy.
2: And that is Doug Wector of Bally Sports Sun. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network.
0: WTAE St. Petersburg. W-237 CW Pinellas Park. W-B-T-P-H-D-3 Clearwater. W-224-B-E Brandon. And iHeart Radio Station.
2: Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and the success for the Rays has continued at the minor league level as well as the big league level, and joining us is – the head of minor league operations for the Rays, and that's Jeff McLaren. Jeff, congratulations on a fantastic year. Thanks a lot,
7: Neil. It was, uh, you know, it, it really is an organizational effort. The success that we've had so far um, the season with hopefully more to come, but, you know, from our scouts that, that find these players to um, the coaches that that work with them on the field and to our trainers and strength and conditioning staff that work with them off the field and education team, it's, it really is, a it's a organization-wide effort that uh, we're getting to see, play out over the course of the season
2: championships in four of the five uh, u.s affiliates the best winning percentage not only this year but i think i've seen in the in minor league baseball in like more than 30 years is this better than you guys even expected or hoped for
7: i have to say yes <laughs> in spring training with some of the decisions that we had to make with putting together rosters. It, it became apparent to us that, that we were putting together some some pretty good teams because there were players that in past seasons would have easily been on rosters or in priority positions that were going getting you know pushed to the side because we had to find playing time for others that we realized that really up and down the line that we had a, a strong group of teams. And, but a lot of the success and the way we look at, at team success is, is really you know this is something that that Mitch has talked about for a long time it's part of our mission statement and is that winning is a byproduct of good development and so you know uh, you ask you know did we see this coming maybe maybe not but it's not really something that we we necessarily focus on too much you know try not to look at the standings until very late in the year because what we're doing in our world in, in player development is much more focused on the players as opposed to the team success. and and you you hope that the team success comes by doing the right thing with each player and And that's hopefully what what we saw play out this year.
2: It certainly appeared to to um you guys announced your minor league award winners this week. I'm sure everyone is a great development story. Is there anyone that stands out to you among the group?
7: I think we could go up and down the line. I also think that, you know this year, was as competitive as as we've ever had it in terms of the voting for for our major awards, you know, between player and pitcher of the year. uh, Josh, incredibly deserving. And, you know, somebody that probably in a different organization has 300 or 400 plate appearances in the big leagues already, but continued to, you know, never let that affect his work and continued to get better throughout the year. You know, always, despite the success he was having, strive to figure out what was, what was the next thing that he could continue working on to make himself a better player? And it was really cool to see him get to make his debut a few weeks back up in Boston. Same for Shane; he's a guy that that you know started in basically our instructional League program three years ago and knew we had tons of talent, but knew that that there was a long way to go. And and you know he probably could have made the big leagues just based off of of his you know velocity and, and what he, how hard he could throw his slider, but he wasn't satisfied with just doing that and he, he you know talking with our coaches and, and and other players he wanted to be more than that he wanted to be a frontline starter and knew that he would do what it had to take to get there and that's another thing that, that we've seen happen over the last couple of years with him in, in terms of the way he's worked on his consistency uh, with his delivery and, and how that plays into his control and his command of his pitches and, and not just focusing on trying to light up a radar gun but rather become a, a the full package, and it's been really cool to see that play out on a, on the major league stage, especially especially facing off against that Toronto lineup um, a week ago, and and getting to see the success that he can have against the best of the best.
2: You mentioned the competition for awards. I mean, I, I look at your system and think in most organizations, a Taj Bradley, a Curtis Mead, a Vidal Brujan would be winning awards, and the fact that they didn't, I guess, speaks to how many great years you had in the organization.
7: For sure, you know there there would have been quite a few very justified choices: Jonathan Aranda, Dalton Kelly, Tommy Romero, Tobias Myers, all guys who you know had great seasons that deserve to be recognized. Um, I wish we had more awards that we could give out because these guys all really did perform uh, at the top top of their ability and 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 took strides from where they were. I think that is another thing that our staff has taken a lot of pride in is that we didn't let the 2020 pandemic year be a setback for us. And and we tried to take advantage of of every opportunity we had to to get players better, whether it was, you know, whatever limited contact we could have in person, but virtually and, and education wise, and trying to make sure that we came into 2021 better than we were in 2019. And it, it was not easy because all that work that was done during that year was done in the shadows, behind the scenes, um, without any sort of recognition. And so to see, to see the fruits of that labor play out over the course of this summer has been really rewarding for both both players and staff that that really worked as as best they could under really trying circumstances.
2: And it seems, considering the fact that you didn't have games last year, you guys stayed relatively healthy. I mean, I, I look on the pitching side. I think probably what Cole Wil- Wilcox's Tommy John surgery was probably the most notable. But you really had done a good job considering of keeping guys on the field.
7: Yeah, it was it was a focus for us. We knew that there. You know, especially the way the 2020 season played out for the major leagues in terms of understanding what happens to players when you have these stops and starts and break away from the traditional buildups and the traditional calendar. And so we knew coming into this year that 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 was a major risk factor for us, and wanted to do what we could to to limit that. You know, Major League Baseball helped us out a little bit by increasing roster sizes and we tried to take advantage of that to max out those roster sizes so that you're not trying to put too much on any one person and we're able to give them the proper rest you know think that that really helped out while just as we made sure to, to keep that as in front of our minds as opposed to kind of a additional layer to think of after the fact we wanted to make sure that we were being proactive in that and, and really one of the things that we found out from that is that you know it allowed for some players that may in other years gotten squeezed out of playing time got the opportunity and with that opportunity they were able to to show that they they more than belonged at the level they were at and they were able to, to earn more opportunity and and play meaningful roles on some teams that were playing some important games down the stretch and so that was you know i like to think that we <laughs> We had planned for that, but some of that came by happenstance, but very fortunate to to reap the benefits
2: of it. And as you continue the development path for these players, how do you decide and how have you decided who's going to the Arizona Fall League? Based on how many reps they've already had this year, who's going?
7: Yeah, that was another one that there was um, a, has been a lot of discussion in terms of how we line players up for Arizona, especially with the calendar being uh, a little different this year. Things being kind of shifted back from where they normally would be uh, and antici- also anticipation of a normal start to hopefully next season um, where the minor leagues will will be back in business in, in April. So understanding that that changes what the offseason looks like and trying to factor all those things into play for who is going to go out there. And so our three position players that we plan to have out there are uh, Curtis Meade, Eroberto uh, Hernandez, and Matthew Dyer. Dyer, a guy that we got in the uh, Rich Hill trade midway through the season – Eroberto uh, Hernandez, uh, we got in the Nate Lowe trade uh, this you know past off season. Um, he missed some time with a handmaid injury, and so making up some of those at bats. Dyer, a chance to get for us to get to know him a little bit better. He's a guy that has a ton of positional versatility, and so for us to get a chance to to see him work for another you know month or so at at, at a number of different spots will put us in a better space to, to understand what he can do best next season for us and as he moves up the line. And then uh, with Curtis Mead, just you know, a guy that has had a phenomenal season, got a taste of AAA, the more that you can have him facing facing some some really top arms, uh, it's going to make his, his bat develop that much faster. And, and we think that he can be a really special player for us and want him to get those reps. On the pitching side, another uh, spot where we're kind of looking to get a few guys a l- for more innings than, than what they're able to do this year. Uh, Caleb Sampin got bit with the injury bug early on in the season for Montgomery, but he's on the mend, got into some FCL games in rehab, and he's going to be headed out to the Fall League to continue to build some innings for next year and get some reps. And we're going to have Trevor Brigden, a guy who had a really strong year um, out of the bullpen for us in both, and actually made appearances at all four levels. And then we have Carlos Garcia who was on our, our Bowling Green team, and Matthew Piguero who got a, a good amount of time in Charleston this year.
2: And then what, Jeff, do you end up doing with Instructional League? I know it's a different animal this year due to the pandemic.
7: Yeah, it, it, you know, the calendar with things shifted back, we've kind of modified our, our Instructional League. Yeah, you know, we have a limited number of pitchers going through the program right now as, as we're prioritizing rest and recovery in anticipation of a, an on-time start next year. And so really focusing on some of our position players, we have a lot of guys that were selected in the most recent draft, going through some mini camps right now to, to work on some things and to build a plan for them to take into the offseason. As over the course of the next few weeks, we'll have some of our more experienced players um, also come down to work in a, in a pretty good player to, uh, players to teacher ratio to really focus on some of their individual skills that they can put a plan together to take into the off season so that we can make 2022, uh, just as successful as 2021.
2: Well, here's to that success continuing for many years to come. Congrats on a really great season, Jeff. And we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball.
7: Thanks for having me, Neil.
2: And that's head of minor league operations for the race, Jeff McLaren. Learn more about the race list of minor league award winners on our blog, RaysRadio.moblogs.com. Coming up, Eric Neander and a whole lot more. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball on the Race Baseball Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining me right now is the president of baseball operations for the winningest team in the American League and in franchise history. That's Eric Neander. Eric, congratulations on a wonderful year.
5: Thank you. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. It's been gratifying satisfying you know many many good things and obviously especially after last year um you know the the biggest prize and what we're really after is still ahead of us here
2: has it been a better regular season though than expected when you consider all you've dealt with
5: you know i, I think going into any year it, it, it's hard to expect to be in the vicinity of 100 wins you know no matter even even a fully healthy team that you have high expectations for that's just that that's a hard place to to go you know that's that's a lot of wins to to get to and you know this year with all the the attrition that we had all the injuries um, to see time and time again player after player uh, step into opportunities and make the absolute most of them uh, it, it certainly makes it a little more special in that regard to see so many different people contribute
2: since you're viewing it from a different lens at different times during your tenure here is this the best regular season team the rays have had
5: great question you know I think back to 2008 that was my first full-time year here and it was it, it, it was a lot of fun and I, I think to win 97 games during the regular season that was awfully special I think that season it was as much about just reversing kind of the course of the the organization the franchise to that point you know being being on the other side, you know the win you know <laughs> having the wins and losses flipped and, and 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 taking that first step towards being a relevant postseason team for all the years ahead you know that that makes all that special that first time doing that and really changing the the perception of the group this year just by way of pure wins certainly is ahead and i think what part of what makes this year really special you look at this division and you're, you're talking about four teams being in the mix for 90 plus wins you know i, I don't Know how often that's happened in, in one division? Probably not too often. And you're you're going up against those teams roughly 60 times over the course of the season to do that and to end up with a win total like this. That's that's a heck of an accomplishment to to say the least.
2: It is, and you know the Rays went into the the end of the Houston series leading the majors in runs scored. Um, is it fair to say this is the best offensive team you've ever had?
5: It certainly. They, they've they've made their case, and I think they've made a really good case, and. You know, every year is different. I, I, I always want to, you know, want to be respectful to, to all the teams that have that have come through here, and the context for each year is is different. You know, it's unique. But you look at what this group has done, and uh, the way that their offensive production has accelerated as the year has gone on, um, too. You know, the the trajectory of this unit, you know, is one that's positive above and beyond even their run scoring total. Um, they've They've accomplished a lot. The balance, the diversity of the lineup, the different skill sets, um, it is something that we're really proud of and certainly have a claim to that.
2: It's very rare to be able to finish off um, a postseason berth, uh, a division title with a week or so to go. What was important for you in this last week?
5: Um, yeah, it's you, you want to stay sharp enough. You don't want to let too much air out, you know, <laughs> competitively speaking. Uh, but the opportunity to refresh a little bit, not just physically, but mentally, you know, just a mental exhale with, with enough time on the other side of it to not exhale too much, just a little bit, but then to, to get things locked back in and to make sure we're still going out there and competing. Um, I think that time's up pretty well. That certainly has been nice to have. Um, and part of what I think keeps that exhale where, where it should be is, you know, these, these final six games, you're going on the road to Houston, you know, a team competing, trying to wrap up the division title, uh, you know, New York and and what they're playing for, you know, these are teams that are excellent teams and you're going into their stadiums and those are good environments to experience before the postseason, you know, and that's, that's a nice benefit of of the schedule and having things wrapped up in in advance uh, certainly takes a little bit of the edge off and allows us to, put some players into positions they might not be in just to see how they respond to it and to allow them those, those, uh, those experiences.
2: How much of, of roster decisions are you going to have to make, or are you using this week to help you make roster decisions for the postseason?
5: We have an assortment of our players are young. They don't have a lot underneath them. And so, you know, each day is instructive, uh, you know, towards, Towards those decisions, certainly. So, yeah, it's it's relevant. Certainly, the opponents you're playing are also relevant and, and have some influence in those in those decisions. I think the one thing that we the, we recognize as we talk through this is when that roster set, there's going to be some really difficult calls, and there's without question more than 26 players that we uh, feel really confident would help us compete and win a, a division series round and. You know, that's that's a big part of why we've won the number of games we have, despite all the injuries, is because of that. And as we've gotten a little healthier here and as some younger players have stepped in, we're going to leave out some players for that round that um, certainly based on merit would have a, a, a case to be there. Um, we're just not going to have all the spots. And, and that's OK, but it is going to lead us some tough decisions. And we'll, we'll use the time that's in front of us to, to try to make it the best decisions we can.
2: Going into the final series, there are four potential opponents for you in the in the D.S., Do you really have almost four different rosters for four different teams? And if so, would you say there's 18 spots, 20 spots of the 26 that you're pretty confident if they're healthy, those will be guys that are on the playoff roster?
5: Yeah, I think, I I think we have a pretty good idea. You know, I, the top of my head without getting into too much detail, you know, I think probably around 20, 20 spots give or take are pretty well solidified and secured and, you know, the the opponents will have some say in how you round out rosters. You know, and what types of matchups you want to make sure you're you're protected against or um, that that you're covered for. And then, yeah, and and obviously the the schedule of playing two games off a game, another game if necessary off, and then you know game five if necessary. That certainly that schedule is a little different than what we went through last year, uh, and that can influence the roster, and more so I think the position player pitcher balance of the roster for this round as well.
2: So, does that lend you to be more likely to take more position players and fewer pitchers than you normally would, or a thirteen and thirteen what what kind of things are you juggling with is it is it between twelve and fourteen that you probably would carry on a in a five man in terms of a five game series in terms of pitchers?
5: Yeah, I think practically speaking that's that's probably where the line is you know is that is it do you do a thirteen thirteen you do a fourteen twelve you know I think that's something we'll discuss and uh, that you know, can can make a case in in any direction, and um, we'll, we'll sort through it, figure it out. But but certainly with with the off days in there, it allows the temptation to go a little heavier on the position player side if if you know you have the the personnel warranted to do that.
2: And I guess Eric, you option some guys where they still have the ability to be called up and added to the postseason roster. How many guys are you considering for the twenty-six spots? Is it thirty, thirty-two? How many do you think really are in the legit discussion? And and how much of this depends on health? Because you got Nick Anderson hurt, Adam Conley in the COVID list, um, Matt Whistler's health. How much of that figures into this?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's it's north of thirty. Like I said earlier, we're gonna we have some decisions to make that I think candidly you do the best you can. But you know, a lot of guys that probably have similar expectations about what they can how they can contribute in a good way you know and uh we're going to to make those decisions but that group's comfortably over 30 without without question when when we look at it and when we line it up and you know some of the the injuries and the things you talk about yeah that's that's part of what we have to sort through here over the over the days ahead
2: and and just curious how big a taxi squad are you allowed to hold and keep guys working out like last year it was unique you had like a 40 the the COVID allowed you to keep 40 guys on hand. What can you do this year and how do you keep guys ready in case you may not want them for this round, but they may fit better if you advance?
5: Yep. I I think as, as we go with that, you know, one Durham season running all the way out to the end like this is certainly helpful. Those guys are afforded more opportunities to compete, to develop. That's been, that's been big, but obviously they, they wrap up on the same schedule we do here. And uh, from that point uh, we will, you know what we intend to do is to have a group in port charlotte that uh you know we're going to keep their motor running combination of pitchers and position players that based on matchups and merit you know are available for future rounds or injuries uh and so those guys will you know try to create the best environment they can down there to you know to stay sharp to keep the competitive juices flowing and, and to be ready if if the needs arise so uh and hopefully benefit from the developmental experience of those extra reps as well.
2: Eric, thanks very much for a few minutes. Congratulations on a wonderful regular season. Let's hope the postseason is just as successful.
5: Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it and appreciate all the support from our fans and look forward to getting things going on on Thursday at home. Should be a lot of fun.
2: And that is the race president of baseball operations in one Eric Neander. We now turn to how the postseason looks for the American League, and joining us is Mark and of MLB.com. Mark, this has been quite a wild-card race in the American League. Yeah, it's been
1: fascinating. I mean, you know, every day it seems to change, and you're you're looking at, uh, you know, the standings. You're like, oh, wow, the Yankees are, are falling behind, you know, Boston and Toronto, and Seattle's right there. And all of a sudden, you know, the Yankees go on this big surge and uh, regain the lead and, and seem to put themselves in control of getting one of those spots. But uh, it's really, you know, the, the- of Seattle has been the most fascinating to me because we were talking so much, you know, when the Blue Jays went through that big run and the Red Sox have been there all season, you know, and the Yankees have been up and down and everybody sort of forgot about Seattle. And yet, uh, you know, here we are in the final weekend of the season and the Mariners have a, you know, just as good a chance to get to that, that wild card spot as anybody else.
2: Yeah. And, and the possibility of a play-in is obviously certain there too. Um, Seattle's doing it with what's unheard of, which is a run differential that's been negative all year long. Why have they been able to overcome it and, and have they overperformed or are they just maybe a, a team where the numbers don't quite tell the story?
1: Uh, I think they've overperformed to some some extent. I mean, the fact that uh, Jerry DiPoto has been as aggressive in some areas as he has. I mean, you remember at the trade deadline, he traded his all-star closer, Kendall Graveman, and caused a bit of a, a riot in their own clubhouse. People were really upset. Uh, and then he goes and trades for Diego Castillo to, to fill that spot while adding Abraham Toro, a nice 24-year-old young third baseman, uh, you know, infielder with, with some power, Jerry is an aggressive guy. They've, you know, Jared Kellen has come up and, and finally done, uh, you know, maybe not been as good as they had hoped, but good enough to, to certainly help stabilize the offense. And, you know, you look up and down that lineup. There's not a lot of uh, big names there, right? Mitch Hanager's having an outstanding year. Kyle Seeger's having a career year uh, in many ways. And the pitching is sort of the same thing. This actually sort of reminds me of, they almost feel like the West Coast version of the Rays, where you look at their roster and you're like, how is this team in playoff contention? But, uh, you know, they're just getting performances from, from guys. And uh, it's it's pretty impressive what, what they've been able to do. You know they have a good record in in close games. They're thirty, like they're like fifteen games over five hundred in one run games. So right there, that's uh, that helps the run differential. You you may get blown out a bunch of times, and in the blowouts, I think coming into the weekend they were like eleven and twenty eight in blowout losses or blowout games, uh, five or more runs. So that'll help the run differential go the wrong way when you're winning the one run games and losing the blowouts. But one run
2: win equals the same as a ten run loss, right? It does. It does. Um, of uh, let's assume the Yankees are in. If if the Yankees are in, who is the tougher matchup in a wild card game for them? Seattle, Toronto, or Boston, and why, to you?
1: Well, I think you'd have to say it's probably Toronto. They've got the best pitching. You know, you look at at the idea of them throwing out Robbie Ray in a in a wild card game. Robbie Ray is probably going to win the Cy Young Award in the American League this year. He's had an outstanding season. You know, I think Boston, I don't know if they would start a or Sale. It depends on who they have to use in this final weekend. But uh, Toronto's lineup is so dangerous that they, they know, you know, both these teams know the Yankees so well. And I would be surprised if either Boston or Toronto gave Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton a pitch to hit in a wild card game. Because the Yankees offense has been going as those two guys have been going you know, when there's so much familiarity between teams after playing 19 times during a season, for it to come down to one game between them is, uh, is pretty fascinating to see how they handle that.
2: To you or the Yankees? I mean, you covered the Yankees for many years. Are they peaking at the right time? Are they in a position? I know LeMahieu's banged up. They just lost Luke Voigt to the injured list. What's your feel on that group? I can't
1: get a feeling on this group because they win 13 games in a row and you're like, wow, they really may have enough time to catch the Rays. Then they lose, what, 9 out of 11 and they look like uh, they can't get out of their own way. So, uh, you know, then they come out and win 7 in a row to get themselves back into, you know, solid spot in the wildcard race. It just depends on which Yankees team shows up next week. Is it going to be the one that that couldn't lose or is it going to be the one that couldn't win? They've certainly got their issues. Their bullpen is... Uh, is definitely an issue. You know, losing Zach Britton to injury uh, was bad for them. Chapman's been up and down all year. You know, Jonathan Loazaga was hurt for a while. He's back now. So, you know, the bullpen has got some some issues. And quite honestly, I mean, we know Garrett Cole is the, the choice in a wild card game. But after that, you're looking at Jordan Montgomery and, you know, Jamison Tyon, if he's healthy, and Corey Kluber. And Nestor Cortez Jr. I mean these are not these are not household names. You're not throwing out Shul- uh, Scherzer and, and Bueller and Kershaw in a playoff series. So um, you know the Yankees are they've got a long road ahead of them if they want to get deep into October.
2: You brought up non-household names, but Nestor Cortez Jr. You could argue has been the best starting pitcher for the second half of the season for them.
1: He's been unbelievable, and he, you know, he he became a bit of a, a cult hero in New York. Uh, you know, you see Nasty Nestor T-shirts all throughout Yankee Stadium, and uh, and you see Nasty Nestor T-shirts all throughout the Yankees. Uh, Uh, own roster, you know, BP, like half the team is out there wearing Nestor Cortez Jr. shirts, which is uh, not something you would have predicted before this season. But yeah, he's, he's really been a savior for them. You know, since he entered the rotation, I believe it was the last week of July, you know he he doesn't have a lot of decisions. I think he's only two and two in eleven starts, but you know he's got an ERA just over three, and he's he's pitched really well. He doesn't go deep into a lot of games. They don't really want him to go deep into a lot of games, but he's been able to give them five six innings most times out, and uh, and really you know limit the damage, and that, that's what they needed. They needed somebody to come in there and stabilize one of those spots behind Garrett Cole, because with the injury to Kluber all year, Tyon's health situation being up and down. They they needed somebody to step up and Cortez has certainly been that
2: guy. Are the Yankees the most dangerous team for the race to face in the first round in the ALDS series, or would it be one of the other clubs in your mind?
1: I don't think so. I think I'm going to stay with Toronto mostly because assuming that the Yankees were to pitch Cole in the wild card game, they would uh, they'd only be able to throw him once in a uh, you know in a five game series, probably game three. You know the Blue Jays would have the same situation with Robbie Ray, but they've got Jose Barrios backing him up, and a couple other guys. Alex Manoa's had a really nice rookie year. They've got a they, they've got a little more depth in the rotation than the Yankees do, and quite honestly, they have a much scarier lineup. Uh, you know, as good as Stanton and Judge are, the the Blue Jays have what four guys who have driven in hundred runs this year, and two others who have knocked in eighty. Uh, you know, you look up and down their their lineup, and you've got five guys with with uh, OPSs over eight fifty. And obviously, you've got Vlad, who has been as dangerous as any any hitter in the league this year. So when you're when you're trying to navigate through a lineup with Vlad and Semyon and Bichette, uh and Teoscar Hernandez and you know George Springer doesn't have the numbers for the year, but he's still George Springer. They're they're a really dangerous team. I don't think any I don't think anybody wants to see the Blue Jays in the playoffs.
2: And the only reason I ask that they are very heavily right-handed. And you look at the Yankees; at least they have created some balance with Gardner playing better down the stretch with Rizzo and Gallo players the race didn't see earlier in the last meeting between the two clubs and uh also Tyler Wade has played a little bit more at shortstop yeah uh, you know I mean I, I think
1: that you know Brian Cashman did a very good job in balancing out uh that lineup it was so righty heavy for the first four months of the season and bringing in Rizzo and Gallo really helped now you know Gallo hasn't performed particularly well. I think he's hitting about 150 for the Yankees in his 50-something games. But he's hit 13 home runs, and that's what you're expecting with Joey Gallo, right? You're going to get uh, a bunch of home runs, and he's going to strike out one out of every three plate appearances. So, But certainly adding in a, another power lefty bat with him and with Rizzo has balanced things out. To me, the Yankees have the same issue going into October that they've had for the first six months of the season, which is DJ LeMahieu is a shell of the MVP candidate that we saw The past two years, Gleyber Torres is a shell of the all-star player that he was in 2018 and 2019. And if they're not going to be able to get solid contributions from those two guys, really way too much of it is going to fall on Judge and Stanton. And if teams don't allow those two to, to beat them, the Yankees are going to have to find other ways to score runs. That's why I look at the Blue Jays lineup as being so much more dangerous because, you know, they have six guys in that lineup. Who can all do damage. So, if one or two of them are off that night, it doesn't really matter. They've got other guys who can pick up the slack, and that has not been the case with the Yankees.
2: And, Mark, as you look at the other side, uh, who do you think is more dangerous, Houston or Chicago and why?
1: I, I think Houston. Um, I've been sort of a doubter on the White Sox for a little bit here. They've had a great season, and you have to give them all the credit in the world, but they're playing in a horrendous division uh, where not another team is over 500. Uh, you know, they, they've really padded up their record you know the white Sox are 23 games over 500 or so uh, 23 24 games over 500 and the majority of that was compiled against really really bad teams and so if you look at their their schedule breakdown for the year so you're 23 24 games over there were 7 and 0 against baltimore they were 5 and 1 against the cubs they were 13 and 6 against minnesota Right there, that's what seven eleven. That that's twenty games over or, or eighteen games over with those three teams alone. Added a five and one record against Texas, and all of a sudden you're looking at it and, and against the good teams, you know they went two and five against Houston, which is the team they would play in the first round. So you know they were one and five against the Yankees. They were uh, they actually played five hundred against the Rays, which is is surprising. But uh, I feel like they've been a uh, a team that's taken advantage of their poor division, beat up on a lot of teams in their own division. And as a result of it, you go into a series against Houston with a a lineup filled with players who have been there and done that before and and a young pitching staff uh, that's done surprisingly well this year. Houston, I think, is going to be a tough team to take out in that first round.
2: Mark, good staff. Thanks very much for a few minutes. Let's hope for some chaos in at least a game 163. Absolutely. Take care. That is Mark Feinzan of MLB.com updating our wild card standings as we enter the final two games of the regular season. The Yankees have that top wild card. They are a game ahead of the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays in Seattle are two back. So, if you're rooting for a four-way tie, the way that would happen, Toronto and Seattle would have to win their last two. The Yankees would have to lose their last two to the Rays, and then Boston would have to split its remaining two games we certainly appreciate the time with mark fines MLB of mlb.com and also that of all of our guests on the program today standout rookie Wander franco as well as manny navarro for helping translate doug wechter for joining us from valley sports sun to discuss the week gone by we appreciate the time of head of minor league operations for the race jeff mclaren to discuss what certainly has been a standout season in the Rays minor league system, and also, of course, President of Baseball Operations, Eric Neander. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Hey, a reminder that clinching the AL East is only the first step for the Rays. Be part of the postseason magic as the Rays defend their American League title. Rays postseason tickets are on sale now. For more information on that and all postseason events, go to RaysBaseball.com slash postseason this is her final regular season show you know we will have podcasts during the postseason as well as the offseason which we hope isn't until a month from now for producer derek dubose i'm neil solance the pregame show is next on the Rays
0: baseball network thank you for listening to this week in Rays baseball breaking
5: ball lifted to the air way up there
0: into right field and deep judge has gone back towards the corner at the wall on and the rays jumping from quarter one if you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, a one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Hey, him out. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.